Welcome back to the Hour Time Podcast, the podcast for Watch Geeks by Watch Geeks. I'm John Biggs. I'm Victor Marks. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. And today on the show, we're talking uh, Rolex and um, uh, other horrible things. Would we, would we equate Rolex to be a horrible thing, lads? The watch uh, is wonderful. <laughs> the the company, yeah. uh, sometimes their practices are questionable. <laughs> okay, wrist check, wrist check. What do we yeah. got? What are we uh, I, I'm still wearing the Vare from last week. Uh, you know, it is basically the perfect size for my dainty little wrist. Uh, so I'm, I'm, how many watches do you have, Nicholas? I think we need to get you more watches in total. Uh, I don't know. I have, uh, at least probably at least 10, 15. I'd have Uh, to check. Wow. At at my height, at my height, I had 60. Yeah. I don't have 60. I mean, so whatever slacking you're doing in your, in your life, I don't want to hear it because if you're going to be a real watch head, if you're going to be a real sneaker head, as they call it, but for watches, real watchaholic, as they would call it. Yeah, uh, you have to at least have Pick it up every single here. junk uh, Seiko chronograph that was ever made in the seventies. Um, I want, I want every Seiko chronograph that was made in the seventies. And you that can buy them; nice. they're yeah. very cheap. They're not that expensive, are they? Maybe we should. I Some could, of them have I gone have up not... there in price. I was looking at one the other day that was like eight hundred bucks. That's oh, what I was going to say. I was looking at yeah, they're they're getting Seikos. up there for some of them. I was buying yeah. them for like a hundred, two hundred. This was like the I, I had the bullhead, I had the mm-hmm. I had the single I had the single register, the double register, triple register. Yeah, those tri registers are getting up there now. Yeah. Uh I had a I had an alarm. Um I had a bunch of the little psychos. Well, and obviously yeah, And what did you do with all of them? I think I sold them. I believe I sold them. Yeah. I I really winnowed down my collection to about twenty now. Uh, I have I have my special collection, my reserve reserve right. reserva <laughs> reserva, as you would say, the Napa Valley sure. style, the Napa Valley of uh, of watches on my end table that I can just swap out. It's given that I I don't leave the house ever anymore, right. um, that's kind of silly. That to me is slightly depressing. My need <laughs> to get new watches. It's like I'm literally just walking to the bathroom. Like there's no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's right. Cool, but if you start your Casio chronograph on that first, <laughs> you can time yourself. You can time yourself. You can time your evacu- you can time your evacuations. Oh, um, Victor, what do you got on? Well, as it would have it, I am wearing a chronograph. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's but you're going to disappoint me. And you're going to say it's like a. Uh, like a quartz, a no, quartz. no, no, it's mechanical. Oh. It's mechanical. Oh. It is a hand wind. It's a two yeah. register chronograph. Yeah. By whom? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is where I disappoint you. It is, it is the, uh, well, I mean, you could say it's like a Venus 75 movement, right? We could, but you're going to tell but, us what. But you would know that Venus sold all of their tooling to the Chinese back in 1963 yeah. or so. So this is the Chinese Seagull. ST19. I mean, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hassle you. I'm not gonna hassle you. It's mechanical. It's about your purchase of a seagull. Seagull is fine. Yeah. Uh, It's it's cute, right? It's a right. I I enjoy I enjoy the concept of the seagull uh, more than I enjoy the actual watches. Um, Similar to that Belova that I had that I was Mm -hmm. hanging out with. It's like it's just about right. It's really nice styling. It's really good. It's really got nice, nice provenance. Uh, but it's just not, it's just not kidding on all the cylinders, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And I'm, I got my Rolex Explorer two on the tiny, the little one. Uh, Nicholas, you would probably actually wear this one because it's I actually would. a smaller piece for you. That's, it's a nice size. That is the right watch. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm just trying to find a picture. I know what that is. Uh, 
Black Dial 1997 Explorer 2 with the... uh... Yeah. No, I would wear it. It's like, where am I? Wear it to the... uh... The mailbox. <laughs> no, we're the mailbox. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not awful in terms of price. It's sixty eight hundred well, on eBay right now. I mean, it's awful. That's you awful. are kidding because that is not what they usually go for. Oh yeah, well then that's whatever They're, I got here is this might be a faker. Well, it's this this they, one's beat to hell. Ah, that would be. Uh, it. Well, they, actually, they, no, it's just the crystal's it, bad. A, a few years ago, Explorer twos were really reasonable. They were like four thousand was was the price for them. And that was 2017 2018 time frame. Really? And they, they have shot up and they are now 7 and 8000ish. Yeah, yeah. I know I definitely got mine probably 2 years ago, uh 2 3 years ago. So this is so it's definitely within that it was definitely within that range back when I bought it. Yeah. Which is which is I think the way to go. I mean, I'm seeing them on Chrono 24 for like way more than 10. Yeah. Well, it well, depends on which one you're looking at. Yeah, right? we're looking at yeah, we're looking yeah. at the older we're looking at the older explorer, which is actually a smaller. It's a, it's a one six five seven zero is that the reference? Yeah, yeah, one six five seven zero. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but I but it's that's the watch that I wear on a daily basis now, and I'm and you guys know me, I'm not I'm not a Rolex head by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just it's it's the right size, it's the right features. If I travel, I can I can swap it out. It's a great watch, and it's really thin. It's yeah, it's like the eight, well. seven, eight. I'm seeing for that. Yeah, that yeah. Reference. And I was I was going to get one one day if they'd stayed at four thousand, but uh, at eight, it's a little harder to pull off. Anyway, just need Bitcoin to shoot up a little Bitcoin, bit more, baby. Well, Bitcoin's gone. One. Bitcoin's gone. It's hitting. It's I'm popping. doing okay. I'm not going to comment any further. But all right. <laughs> so we got. So we have a. So, and this is. And I. I don't want to. I don't want to actually comment on this in any uh in any negative light but i think so the 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 big news today quite literally today this is friday um the uh 19th is that hodinkee purchased crown crown and caliber now crown and caliber is one of my favorite watch used watch sales sites uh you would call it the gray market you would call it a resale site etc no it's secondary market secondary market whatever um it's not it's not hamilton it's just secondary uh, my buddy over there, my buddy over there, CEO, he's a good guy. I buy all my good. I buy my, all my, uh, Hamilton Powell is his name. I buy all my, uh, all, I buy all my watches there, uh, because they've been, they, they'll, if there's a problem with them, they'll take a look at them afterwards. Uh, there's nice after sales and the, and everything's been fairly, everything's been fairly solid over there. And I have had problems with some of the used watches. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the best thing in the world. Right. But, but you don't um, have any problem with crown and caliber. Yeah, exactly. I have no problem. They take care of you. Now, the problem is they just got bought out by Hodinkee. Now, the move here, if I'm a startup, right? If I'm a if I'm a, uh, a watch startup especially, my move and I and if I have cash, that's the other question. Do I have any cash to do? My move is to get into uh sales, right? Watch sales and buying watches and and selling watches to my to my readership. Um, Hodinkee's been doing this for years, but this is a huge move because that's like that they're they're buying up. They're they're actively going to be uh, a retailer. Yeah, they're, they're, they're retailer. They're no longer they're no, they're no longer a news a news organization. That's basically that's that's basically the statement. Well, the question is, can you be a news organization and a sales organization at the same time? Uh, that would be very. Imagine if like the New York Times was also a store in the mall and they sold. I, I don't know. Uh, 
sneakers or whatever. It was a very weird. That seems very weird to me. Well, well, this this industry is such uh, is completely insane. First off, right? So, I'm so you kind of expect you kind of expect this kind of uh, one hand washing the other, and to a degree, you we were in a situation over the uh, over the decades where watch journalism, watch magazines, they would actually sell the cover to advertisers. If you want to, sh- if you want to show up on the cover of like Watch Time magazine back in the olden days, you could buy that spot. Same with the Rob Report, all that other stuff, and it's very, very frustrating uh, to a actual journalist, but to somebody who wants to make money selling people uh, watches, oh, why the heck not? I guess. So Hodinkee has been doing sales for some time, right? Yeah. They they started with neckties and handkerchiefs back in two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, and then they moved into. Well, and, and a little bit before that, but not much before that, they were doing partnerships with watch salespeople. Then they opened their own shop selling vintage watches. So what I don't understand, and maybe you can explain to me, is if they were already selling vintage watches, which they were, why did they need to purchase Crown & Caliber? What what does this purchase gain them? Well, okay. So they're, they're actually they're – a, they're a funded startup. So people – so the investors – investors don't want, want you to be a uh, – want you to be flat. So yeah, you need to this, show return. This increases the valuation, obviously, of Hodinkee, and it also gives Hamilton an out. Hamilton was never a super watch guy. He was he was he was into him, uh, but he was a businessman. He he knew he 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 saw a market. He got in. He this was his, a product he could sell. Yeah, and this is a product that he sell. This is like this guy I talked to recently who makes pet food. He's he worked at McKinsey. He doesn't he doesn't he, he he's got a cat. He goes he's got a cat, but he know his his whole thing is that he knew that people would buy a special kind of pet food if it was any good. Uh, and if, and if he couldn't do it, he just shut down. He, he knows, he knows he's well within, he's well within his ability to, uh, to understand that concept. Hamilton's the same way. Uh, is, is he gonna, is he gonna sit with you for 12 hours and talk about the difference between, uh, I don't know, transatlantic, uh, I don't know, 21 to 22 or whatever, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, um, no, he's not going to. But is he going to sell you a watch? Damn right. So this increases the valuation of Hodinkee immensely. Mm-hmm. So his those industry, though the the industry folks who invested in these guys, bang, they got their they they basically made their money back. Um, and they're going to make and they're going to make a, a lot more money on this thing. The entire universe of startups like this, there's there's literally no reason for for uh, for Hodinkee to take cash like this unless they are going to unless their their whole goal is to become, I don't know, just to become a uh, become a retail retailer. IPO Hodinkee IPO. No, there's no. That'd be awesome. They'll, they'll, they'll do a they'll do a spec. no. <laughs> they'll uh they'll they'll buy a uh, they'll buy a Why lumber not? mill. Oh, a spec. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm literally just to say that exactly. Yeah, they'll buy a lumber mill in in Vancouver and and just start selling uh Hodinky dollars or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, actually, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's super goofy. It, it's and and is it is it my favorite thing to see? No, absolutely not. My my favorite my favorite watch purchase site is now part of my not favorite watch news site well it's not even a watch news site anymore so who well cares? john and you could and you could speak to this as like you know to let the folks listening know it's not easy to run any sort of like no. website you know it's 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 time at the very least and your time is valuable you know to to an extent uh it's it's not an easy gig you know watches are a, a niche thing you know i used to have an editor years ago who kind of joked that the only reason why like prestige new york media existed 
uh, was because of watch companies. You know, they yeah. Rolex and Omega. They, they would buy an ad on, you know, whatever magazine, and that watch ad paid for the salaries of everyone in that building. Uh, mm -hmm. So it is. It's like a high margin uh, product, but it's not an easy thing to run a watch media company. No, I mean, look, now, this, and you've been doing it forever. Grudge. You would know. I want to. I want to ask. I mean, the, you said not your favorite news site, right? This is this is not a grudge thing, is it? Uh, no, I, I, I liked, I liked Ben for a long time. Uh, and I, and I still, I still consider him, uh, I could still consider like he's, he's, he was the smartest, he was the smartest media guy out there. Like Ariel is, Ariel is doing as well as he can within the confines of, of how he made his, how he built his business. And I think by dint of being in New York, by his, his, uh, his focus on good images, uh, kind of becoming like the the kind of coming in like the Rolex heads he, he, he became he became the the supreme of of watches because he focuses on stuff that everybody everybody who gets into watches loves it's all about Rolex it's all about uh Omega it's all about the Speedmaster he's he's not he's not talking about Ver uh because there's because those guys aren't going to advertise he 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 defined he defined watch media in a different light I preferred and one of our goals is to lose money, but still, <laughs> uh, still like I pay for hosting for everything and it's a fairly big site. It's not awful, but it's definitely, I've definitely lost money on this whole operation. Mm -hmm. the, the, the whole, the whole, the whole vision is that watches should be appreciated by everybody in the known universe and that you should understand why they're good and why you're paying X amount and why you shouldn't pay X amount for certain, certain watches. Uh, he has taken the, he's taken the thing that he, it's, it's a given that you already love the watch and he's going to make you love it even more. And then eventually he's going to sell it to you. Got it. Okay. I think that's the way to think about it. That's a good way to think about it. That and again, I'm not, I, 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 I wish them no ill will. I just, I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a huge reader of Hodinky and I think it's, and I'm really, and it's very, very frustrating because it's not, it's not watch journalism anymore. At this point, it can't be watch journalism. They can take nice pictures. They can talk about the the Pateks and stuff, but it's not watch right. journalism. Is that all? I mean, I guess maybe that's the, the the thinking. It's like watch journalism. People just want. I mean, look at watch Instagram. People just want to look at you know, nice photos of watches yeah, and, yeah, and buy them. And you know, yeah. so that I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, who cares? It's not. You're not. We're not. There, there, this this is this is literally an Instagram writ, writ large. If you have a little more patience to read, I don't know, two thousand words on, on uh, whatever, uh, this is the where you go. It's all content. It's all content. Content and merch. Uh, what what happened with this? Uh, what happened with this thing with the uh, with the Rolex you were writing about? Right. So we, we're talking a lot about Rolex today, and. Let me preface by saying Rolex as a company does some good in the world, right? They don't just make wristwatches. They have their foundation and they give out money and they support good causes in the world. That said, they are also a business and uh -huh. they wanted to take away the trademark from a micro brand. So Mark Kiger is this guy who started making watches and he was, he was planning on doing it around 2010. It took him some time. He eventually got there in 2013 is when he first showed off his his first prototype of his wristwatch, mm -hmm. which he named the Kiger Millsub. And he found that no one has registered the term Millsub at that time. And so he went ahead and registered it, and he put it on his dial. 
and he put it on all his products. This is the Kyger Millsup and this is his thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's happy. He's, he's selling watches. He, his whole plan is to make them as sort of a limited edition where he'll, he'll make batches of, of a limited number and then sell them over time just by word of mouth to people that are interested. And he posts on the forums and on Facebook and people are interested and he sells them. And he's just been continuously selling them ever since that time. Yeah. And to be clear, these are basically just Submariner style with a... They're, they're variations on Submariner style stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. There are a ton of companies that make variations on Submariner style stuff. There's no restriction on that. And he's using the term. He was, he was granted the term. He was approved for the term in 2014. And he's been using the term ever since. Come up 2019... Rolex comes along and says, no, wait a minute. You can't use that. That refers to our watches. Mm-hmm. And Rolex has never used that term for themselves before. Yeah. So it's really weird that they would want to come along and, you know, you're five, uh, five years after he's been making watches and using the term and trading on it and say, nope, you can't use that. It refers to us. Yeah, exactly. And so they filed an opposition to it and they filed an application that they're going to ha- own that trademark. So they want to take it for themselves. and. Normally, there are three things here, right? If you're using the mark, it's yours. If it's confusingly similar and creating confusion in the marketplace, it can be taken away. But if it was never used in the first place. Right. They never used it in the first place. Like they made they made a watch that has been referred to by watch fans as a mill sub. That was the the five five one three five five one seven reference mm-hmm. made from like 1971 to 1977. And those watches get called mill sub. But so do a bunch of other watches which is the other thing that can happen with trademark law, which is if you have a term that becomes a generic term, then no one gets to own it. Everyone can use it, which is one possibility of an outcome out of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they want to have it for themselves. And so my my suspicion is that they want to take it and they want to make a Tudor watch and call it the Tudor Millsup. Hmm. And they're just annoyed that this guy in Florida has been making watches using a term that they think they should own. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, that's that sucks. But what's the uh, so what's the what's the result? Well, so they are still going back and forth and doing filings, and I I actually submitted a statement saying that among watch fans in the community, it's my opinion that um, that this term applies to the Omega Seamaster three hundred that was made for military use. That it applies to the the Rolex. That applies to CWC that also made watches for military contract, mm-hmm. and that it's it's a term that gets used to describe any watch that either complies with military standards, or looks like it complies with those military standards. Mm-hmm. Which is is well, it's my opinion, but it's one that I think is accurate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the that's an interesting that's an interesting point, and there's and there's plenty of watches that would be that would count as mill sub, right? There's plenty of watch styles, uh, and it's it's basically just a beefy Submariner. I mean, well, Tor- Tornick Ravel, right? The the Blanc Pan preceded mm-hmm. Submariner, and uh, U.S. Navy bought the uh, the the Blanc Pan, the Tornick Ravel, which was the the redo of the Fifty Fathoms. Mm-hmm. And they tested this in 1958. They tested the the 50 Fathoms. They tested a Rolex 6538, which was the big crown James Bond one, you know, the Sean Connery watch. And they tested an Enicar. And what they found was that the Rolex was the most expensive of all of the watches. It was uh, $90 compared to the, the $45, $50 that the Blanc Pan cost and more expensive than the Enicar, which was also like 35 bucks, 25 bucks, something like that in 1958 money. 
they found that it was completely unsuitable. That they started testing, and the Rolex crystal fogged with water immediately. It was not water resistant. They found that they couldn't turn the bezel with diving gloves on or with wet hands because it was just too slippery to turn. And they found that the bezel jammed with sand or silt, and and it just wasn't possible to be used. And so the Rolex dive watch that everyone goes, oh, it's it's the wonderful, it's the perfect thing, right? It's it's the super dive watch, the Submariner. It's the epitome of dive watches. <laughs> was completely unsuitable for the Navy use, and they they recommend deleting it from the recommendations of watches. So there is you go. Rolex arguing, and maybe I missed it. Is Rolex arguing that they own Milsub or that it is generic and they're no, this no. Guy should Rolex Rolex is arguing that Milsub describes Rolex watches, and Rolex is making the interesting position that Rolex describes Rolex watches starting in 1957 when they first made a prototype for British Ministry of Defense. No, no one calls, nobody refers to the 1957 A6538 as a mil sub. Nobody does that. The mil sub, as far as Rolex watches go, is the 55135517 reference. But Rolex is claiming that people have been calling in mil subs since the 1950s, which they have not. Yeah. And Rolex is claiming that it refers only to Rolex watches. Never mind that the Seamaster 300 preceded the Rolex use by the Ministry of Defense widely, right? Seamasters were ordered for Britain in 1967 through 71. Rolex picked up after that. And Rolex had to modify their watches to make them look like Seamasters to comply with the Ministry of Defense standards. Hmm. What did Rolex do? I don't... <laughs> so they had to make their watch look like their competition, and they're claiming that they should own the trade. Yes. No. It, it, what, what is happening? I feel like this, we're in some weird like, – we are, we are in crazy town, yes. Looper yep. situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, all, all this, like a mill, the mill sub idea, I mean, it's popular enough that it, it might be worth, it might be worth uh, like making a resurgence for them. Right. So they, they, they're going to bring it up. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole point here. It's like they're, they're, they're using the opportunity to, I don't know. Sure. And presumably, you know, the litigation or whatever, whatever, you know, attorney fees they're paying to continue with these funds. It's, you know, it's $0 effectively to, to Rolex. It doesn't cost them anything to like try to get it, I guess. I mean, they're they're paying something, but whether or not it makes them feel it is is another question, right? It's not a cost they actually are concerned about. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, part part of me says uh, this is great fodder for a, uh, a nice nap, uh, and another part of me says, "Hey, this sucks." So I'm uh, I'm kind of in a I'm kind of in a bind here. I mean, there there are three outcomes, right? One outcome is that the USPTO, the Patent Trademark Office, decides that. People associate the term with Rolex more than they do with with Mark Kiger, who's had it for six years, right? Or or however, yeah, six six years, and so they give it to Rolex. That's one outcome. Another outcome is that they decide that the term is generic, which I I think you can argue. You can say that the Seamaster three hundred is a mill sub. You can say that the Rolex is. You can say that the CWC that that the MOD ordered after Rolex is a mill sub, and you can say that people certainly identify that style as a mill sub watch. Yeah. So I, I think it could be a generic term and no one gets to trademark it and everyone gets to use it, which would be another outcome. And, and I think the third outcome is the one that says that the P USPTO says Rolex doesn't have a case here. It belongs to Mark Kiger. I don't know which of those outcomes we're going to get. I'm not sure which one will happen, but it's uh, th those are basically the, the possibilities here. 
I mean, look, it's Rolex, so they're going to get their way, and poor Mark Kiger is going to get uh, is going to get. Uh, yeah, shizru. that's one possibility. So yeah. that's problematic. Anyway, look, I mean, it's. But, a, but my, I mean, my my thought the the one that resonated with me was Rolex fans give these watches a ton of names, right? Yeah, there. If you've got a green dial and green bezel Rolex, you you might have a Kermit or a Hulk, the Hulkster, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or before that nickname ever came into being, you could have a GMT Master that was a Pepsi or a Coke, mm-hmm. right? Th- those are terms that people use to identify Rolex watches. Should Rolex own those trademarks? Should should they have the well, right? It's like to... the Orange Monster, like we had. We well, had... but Orange Orange Monster is is. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who owns the idea of Orange Monster, but I definitely know that Coca-Cola Bottling Company thinks they own Coca-Cola and yeah, Pepsi exactly. thinks they own Pepsi. And Disney owns Kermit by way of the Muppets and they own Hulk by way of Marvel. And the uh, the blue and back, black bezel GMT Master 2s that get called Batman and Batgirl, mm-hmm. DC Comics and Warner Brothers own those, right? So people give your watch a nickname. That doesn't mean you own that nickname as a trademark is is my feeling here yeah i don't know the rich get richer the rich get richer and the poor proletariat the proletariat <laughs> must rise up against against hodinky purchasing an entire retailer especially my favorite retailer and against rolex stealing our beloved mill sub this is the the, the kiger he's got a bunch of he's got like big skulls on his watches too right yeah, he's very into this memento mori thing, this remember you will die thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the cyber skull, right? That was that was a big that was a big thing too. That was funny. Um yeah, all right, whatever. I, look. <laughs> I think uh I think Nicholas I think like Nicholas knows that that sound of my voice. I I I have nothing to even allow here. There's not even a we can't even allow it. There's a lot of futility in this in this episode. A lot of a lot of futility. Very deeply, uh, very deeply sad. And, uh, and I guess that's the end of it. This has been the Our Time Podcast. I'm John Biggs. I'm Victor Marks. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. And we will see you next week. Uh, please set your mill subs to stun. And, uh, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>